Hey Conjugate Chat friends, this is Mike Cunningham from Gill Athletics and I need your help. Or maybe I need to help you. See, we have a crap ton of rubber bumper plates and other weight room items that we need to clearance. We need to clear them out of our factory. That's right, a crap ton. That's the official measurement. All offers will be considered. Email me at mcunningham at gillathletics.com to see the full list and check out the show notes right here on Conjugate Chats for a link to see the items and my email address. Thanks everybody and stay strong. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Before going into the episode, I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode and uh, taking the time to sit down and just listen in on what we got going on here on the podcast today. Uh, a couple of things before we get going into the episode is uh, I want to do a couple ad reads for our sponsors, starting with the DOYSC, the Department of Young Strength Coaches. This group is designed for young strength coaches wanting to go into the field of strength conditioning, whether that's CSCS prep, GA or internship opportunities, or even live discussions. They are a resource for young coaches to take advantage of. I'll put the link to the Discord in the description of this episode. Also, Team Builder. Team Builder is a software for performance coaches around the world. Their powerhouse platform provides Coaches with the elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. Team Builder is also full of tools that coaches need, like multiple max training methods, 16 plus reports, evaluation testing, and goal setting to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with Team Builder's in-house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with the promo code CONJUGATE to receive a 30-day free trial as well as a 52-week football workout program. Please be sure to sit back, listen in, and enjoy this episode of the Conjugate Chats. Thank you. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chat. I'm your host, John Mark Raspberry, current strength coach over at Dyer County High School. I have on the man that really start the, uh, I guess, the burning passion for everything strong and strength and conditioning for myself. Uh, he's actually my first strength coach I ever had, and I talked about him, good things, I swear, coach, uh, on this podcast before, and uh, it's Coach Matthew Friend. Coach Friend, uh, welcome to the Conjugate Chats. It's remarkable to have you on. John Mark, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. I'm glad uh, you got in this profession and th- that you're able to impact a lot of athletes. So, uh, yeah, we're th- those athletes are lucky to have you. I appreciate it, man. Well, go ahead and give the listeners a kind of a backstory and uh, synopsis about you. You know, of course, I know a good amount of you because we spent so a uh, fair amount of time at Eureka. But for those that don't know you, just give them a short synopsis about you. Yeah, so uh, I played college football at Eureka, uh, same same university as John Mark, um, was then hired on as the head strength coach there, uh, spent four, about five years there, uh, was able to develop. I was in charge of every, every sport they had, anywhere from football, basketball, volleyball, softball, et cetera. Um, and then from there, 
I had the opportunity to uh, kind of move up the ranks to Division One, and now I've been at Bradley going into my sixth season uh, as the associate head uh, sports performance coach at Bradley. Uh, and um, primary sports now, women's basketball um, and softball. And then uh, I, I assist with uh, men's basketball and uh, baseball. Awesome, Coach. Now, why go into strength and conditioning? Because you graduated with a biology degree from Eureka, correct? Yeah, correct. So I was a, I was a pre-med uh, undergraduate. I was a biology chemistry degree. Uh, honestly, I, I did a few internships in my undergrad. And by the time of my senior year, I, I, had a, I was working in the ER. And uh, you kind of learn the ins and outs of how our medical system works right now. And it just really wasn't for me. Um, and so I've always had the passion for uh, strength conditioning, uh, being in a weight room. Um, it really benefited me as an athlete. That's how I grew. Uh, I wasn't the biggest, tallest uh, athlete there was, but the, the weight room and uh, training definitely helped me get where I was as an athlete. So I wanted to give that back to uh, my athletes now. And I, I believe we run kind of a similar way because I walked in, I tell the story all the time. I walked in at Eureka College as a 190 pound center. And, you know, you're, you, I wasn't the biggest, I wasn't the fastest. But, you know, when you bust your ass in the weight room, you know, good things do come back to those who put into it. So um, that's awesome, coach. That's awesome. Well, we're going to talk about several different things here. Uh, one is creating an identity in your strength program. And that was one thing that I noticed when I came in at, at Eureka was there was a certain identity when you walked in the weight room, when you walked in, into a gym, that you were going to work hard and the standard was high. So how do you establish that in Bradley? And how did you come to have that mentality when you came into Eureka? Yeah, so uh, both, both places that I've been from day one, you, you really have to be true to yourself. Uh, you have to know who you are as a coach, who you are as a person. And being in a strength conditioning setting, being a coach, you, your number one job is your athletes. Uh, so really, you have, to, have, you have to develop those athletes from a personal side, uh, getting to know them, uh, not just as, okay, you play volleyball or you play softball or you play best football. It's, okay, where are you from? What do you enjoy? What what interests you? Uh, because if you take interest in them, that that really creates a lot of buy-in in what you're doing as a coach. Uh, and then from there, it's it's a, establishing those standards, uh, holding people accountable to those standards. Uh, sometimes, obviously, that's that's hard conversation, but it, you have to let that your athletes know it's coming from love and what's best for them, and that that's really. I think some pieces that helped me grow as a strength coach uh, through both settings. And uh, I found that you, you, when you develop those relationships with athletes, they, they will give you all their heart. So I absolutely agree. And especially nowadays, I don't think really kids are different nowadays. I think the approach that we take to kids and athletes nowadays is a lot different than it was 20, 30 years ago, you know, it's not so much of, well, we're going to do X exercise or we're going to run gassers until you absolutely puke. It's, well, 
we're looking at a, a logistic kind of view. We're understanding where the athletes are at compared to, well, we're just going to do this because I said so. You know, I think nowadays we have to really explain to athletes why we're doing things. And, you know, that creates a lot of buy-in when you start explaining, like, the, you know, the, the whole science, the, the backing of what you're trying to teach. And that's one thing I, I, I think helps a program as well is just giving that, I guess, not reassurance, but the research and the purpose and the why behind everything. Yeah, that's, in my opinion, that's one of the most important things that you can do nowadays is, is communicate the whys to your athletes. And yes, the, the, the grow up, growing up today is a little bit different than um, even when you and I were little kids. Um, but even 20, 30 years ago, it, it's completely different. Um, I think the big, the big change now is a lot of these athletes come in a little bit more knowledgeable of what, what's happening. Um, social media, they see it all over the place. So you're, you have to try to convey to them your knowledge of why you are doing things. Um, when they say, well, I saw this on Twitter and I saw this on Instagram. Well, okay. That some of that does work, but here's what we are doing. And here's why. And they're like, Oh, okay. I get it. And so I, I think it's, you, you really have to can have that communication piece of this is why we're doing it. This is how it can help you as an athlete. And this is how it's going to help our team to success. And I was just in a seminar not too long ago. And I listened to this guy talk about like the generation that we're working with right now. And he calls them the why generation because they always ask why after something else. And, you know, to some, I guess, older kind of teachers, coaches, strength coaches, you know, when an athlete asks you why, it's like almost like a, a personal shot, you know, you know, just because it works. And I've, you know, I've seen it work for the last 20 years. And I guess where you and me kind of, I guess our generational gap between older teachers and uh, coaches and us now is like, if someone asks us why, it's because they're interested in what we do and they want to know exactly what we're doing. And I mean, if you're going to put athlete through whatever, you know, thing in your program, they deserve to know why. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it comes down to it, what what are you doing? Essentially, you're enhancing their body and it is their body. So they, they do want to know, OK, what what is going to happen to me um, if you do X or Y or Z? This is going to how what's going to happen. This is how it's going to translate on the court, on the field, in competition. Uh, so uh, that piece is is kind of an it's it's that barrier you have to break. But again, I, I really think that like tough conversations like that are essential in developing that team culture. Absolutely, and something came to mind as well. Um, I guess mental toughness is kind of that buzzword that kind of goes around and it almost happens in every single sport. So what do you do to establish that mental toughness and what is mental toughness to you? Yeah. So I think the first piece of mental toughness uh, that you can establish really in a weight room is, is work ethic is you're, you're going to have good days, bad days. Sometimes you don't feel well. Sometimes you feel great. Uh, things are going to happen outside in life. And for in my setting, you, you get them for an hour, hour, 15 minutes, and you just have to convey to them that 
okay, this is an hour, an hour, 15 minutes that you can let loose. You can have all of that frustration and let it out. Uh, or if it's a good day, then amplify it. Have some joy, have some fun, uh, get some camaraderie with your teammates. So it's kind of that double-edged sword where, okay, well, let's let's get out some anger if we have it. Or if it's a good day, let's let's make it better. So it, it's that it's that message that you really have to work with with the mental toughness thing is it, it's getting them in the right mindset from from the moment they walk in, um, and then being being there as a coach for them as they as they go obviously go through your training session you have to you have to know who they are but outside of that is being there for them as a person um in the college setting is a little bit different because you have freshmen coming in that this is the first time they're away from home uh, especially in the summer so having that empathy of okay you may be homesick but that's normal um, opening up your office, like, hey, if you if you just need a place to chill, like, we can talk. Like, it's it's cool. Um, so it's it's again, it's not just okay. We're gonna bench press or we're gonna squat. It's who are you as a person to help these athletes grow throughout their career? Absolutely. And for anyone listening. A lot of these things that Coach Friend is talking to us about and saying, it's a lot of things that I experienced firsthand at Eureka as well. I mean, from being the intern at Eureka, I mean, he's the first one that showed me the Essentials book and the person that really, you know, drove me to get the CSCS and, you know, to do these things and pursue this. So some of these things like open up your door because I believe there were some questions that, I mean, they were fairly simple questions, I, I guess, but like, I had questions about like what is certain things? Why are we doing the you know, XYZ thing inside the weight room? And, you know, it just shows you that, you know, you can build relationships with your athletes and those relationships matter in big time. And, you know, this is just an example of that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh actually me and my wife were talking about this the other day of just the some of the joys you get out of of athletics. And I just made the comment of, honestly, that one of the best joys isn't is it really championships. It's individuals like yourself and other people that have gone through my program and been like, okay, I want to be a strength coach. And then they are. And it's like, okay, then you feel that impact of, well, these people want to be like you because you created that environment that they loved. So uh, honestly, that that could be the best uh, joy that you could come out of this profession. Absolutely, and let me tell you, there were some, not some good days at Eureka. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, you know, there's some days that I absolutely felt like crap, and there's some days that you know I felt strong, and you know, but the impact that we have on these athletes, and I think it goes even a little bit further than a sport coach because you know sport coaches are with them a decent amount of time on the court, you know, field, whatever. But we're, we have a hand in every single part of athletics. We have a hand in their in-season, in their off-season, in their preseason, in their rehab, in their prehab. I mean, we really do make the difference in our athletes and their approach to training, too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I can speak for it, where I'm at now. The, obviously, the, the rules of the NCAA 
uh, it's kind of there for a reason. Uh, right now we're in an eight hour block with women's basketball and men's basketball, uh, where you get four hours with your strength coach and four hours with your, your sport coach. Uh, so right now the, the mandatory workouts, you're getting equal time. So like develop, it's not that you're there for 30 minutes or you're brief in and out. Like you get to know these kids really well. Um, and if you, if you don't do what you need to do, develop those relationships, it's, it's a, it's a tough profession. Absolutely. Well, uh, let's kind of change gears a little bit. Um, going from a D3 small school with about 500 kids to going to Bradley University. How was that? How was the transition? What were some things that you noticed that were different? Yeah, uh, I mean, honestly, from the transition from day one, uh, leaving Eureka, it was tough. I mean, it, it's, you, it was my alma mater. It was, uh, honestly, in the beginning of football season. Uh, so it was it was a tough transition just emotionally i think first uh and then the the differences from the the levels through the ncaa i mean division three you you tend to have lesser resources uh but that's expected i think um you there's a lot higher demand when it comes to division one uh like i said you're you're there all summer you're there through the season etc um so there's a little bit higher demand on performance and injury and everything like that uh but uh, honestly the transition to division one from the division three it mentally it wasn't that hard in my opinion because division three you have to be a jack of all trades and uh being the, the only strength coach at division three school like uh, I was the strength coach for every sport. I coached a position on the football field. You had to do your own fundraising. You had to set up your own weight room. Sometimes you had to plan, you had to schedule, you had to um, get every coach to buy into what you're doing along with every player to where now I'm training. Now it's a little bit more focused on and dialed in on certain aspects. So like the, the, the details were emphasized more in the division one level. Now you're just a strength coach for these teams. You are in, you are in charge of these teams. So I went from about 250 athletes to now I coach 30. So you, you really have to hone in on the person, the positions, the sports, um, and really dive in deep into now, now, nowadays you have to dive deep into analytics of okay now you're tailoring it to the person based off what you see on your data that shows you too so it's a little bit more of a, a sports science role in a sense at the, at the division one level and you talking about being a jack of all trades it's kind of the same way in the high school realm because no not every sport coach sees the value in this and the proper strength program and so in a qualified and certified you know individual being able to run a soccer program and being able to set up plans for their athletes, you know, it's kind of the same thing. And um, I totally get the fundraising on your own part because that's, you know, that's stuff that I'm going, going through right now where, you know, we're trying to get T-shirts and then, you know, we're probably going to do it like a popcorn sale because, you know, you can't really 
tap in into like sport coaches' money because they need it for their sport as well. So you got to establish your own funds as well. And I mean, that's just stuff that I don't think even like a college degree or even an essentials textbook can kind of teach you. It's just experience. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I mean, even going through internships, you really don't get to see the the behind the scenes necessarily of, okay, you get to learn how to coach, you get to learn uh, how to program, but you, until you really get into it, you don't see the the scheduling that has to be done, budgets, uh, meetings, interactions you have with admin, um, athletic training, communication, talk to sports medicine. And I, I mean, it, it's, there's a lot of behind the scenes than what I think other people think, but uh, I mean, it, it's definitely, uh, it's worth it at the end of the day. Absolutely. And you kind of mentioned a little bit about sports science. I know, you know, we got to take a, in a lot of data, whether you're talking about 10 yard flies and we take, you know, everything's pretty much a metric in our job, bench press, jumps, sprints, whatever. What do you do in order to kind of centralize all that data? Uh, so for me, um, you really have to, I guess this is, I guess, personal preference. And as you do, do differentiate between each sport. Um, so I'm going to give you the example of women's basketball. Uh, we, we do, obviously, we do all of our jump tests um, on a weekly or daily basis, um, force, output workload etc um and essentially you kind of have to find your your tools to create a dashboard is what is what i did so um you create you have to yeah honestly have to get pretty good at excel and you wouldn't think that as a strength coach sometimes but um other than developing program cards but um inputting data um and developing a dashboard that works for you um there are a lot out there um, but you kind of have to, you have to make sure that you're tailoring it to what you can understand and right now, um, and how it can be utilized and communicated. Uh, cause I, I think you can gather all this data and you can get it to what you can understand first, but then you have to portray it to your sport coaches. And I think that is a huge piece because if, if you're working with a good, a good sports coach, and I've been lucky to have work with a few of them at Bradley uh, that you, you're helping practice plan. You're helping workload management on the court, making sure that they're either in shape, if they're in shape, out of shape, um, if they are getting overworked, um, how is there, I mean, now, I mean, coming with the, the whole brawny thing is if, if you don't have heart data, how is it? Are, are they being efficient? Is there abnormalities? Because those are some things that you can detect nowadays too with, with uh, the sports science piece. So it you, first, it's, it's getting to know what your data says personally and then how you can portray it to your sports coach to, to use it effectively. Oh, yeah. Now, I, when I, the last school I was at, uh, collected data for our football team, you know, all the good stuff, bench squat, you know, all the data, body weights and stuff like that presented to our head football coach and the question he asked me right afterwards i showed him everything he had nice graphs and all that stuff man and he asked me and goes what does this mean i was like yeah 
that's a really good question you know and you know had to kind of do a little bit of not soul searching but a little bit more deeper thinking of like what does this actually mean how does it what does it mean to sport coaches because to me i see bench press bench press went up you know horizontal vertical press went up i've seen all the metrics like all right we're getting somewhere to them it's like how this is better how does this make us better in our sport and being able to you know speak their language almost is huge it really is yeah as you're working with different sports you really have to kind of hone in on those those individual sports uh whether it be football like what what are the metrics that those coaches are looking for is it a 40 um is it a bench press is it a force output is it um vertical jump uh if it's softball is it rotational power so is it bat speed? Is it ball velocity? Uh, if you're looking at basketball, is I mean, is it again vertical jump? Is it um, lateral agility? It's and sometimes in mean, all three, a lot of sports now at the division one level, it's okay. How how can we manage our athletes in season two? Um, so workload, are they are we underworking them? Are they not getting enough are they getting too much and what what is the proper plan that we can use with this data to optimize their athletes on game day um so i mean you got to use it from the off season to the end season all the way around so i I think that's a big uh going to be a huge change as it trickles down to the, the lower levels and then high school too absolutely and you kind of mentioned a little bit too uh, managing players throughout their in-season uh, plans. So do you have any data that really helps track, you know, a- acute chronic loads or anything of that nature? Uh, yeah, so we, I use a, a few metrics. Uh, first one is I use uh, RS, RSI, um, and I break down basically their flight time slash force output and their ground contact. Uh, so what that can tell me is one are they producing enough force are they strong enough to or can can they jump high enough within a certain amount of repetitions and then their ground contact time kind of tells me is there an abnormality in the joint happening um did they is there a slight tweak in the ankle are they starting to favor one side or another uh because that can that can alter a plan as you go forward in season um and then the other one i we use at bradley uh, is first beat so it's it's kind of looks like a heart rate monitor it's a little bit smaller um uh, my girls wear them um on their chest so i'm able to monitor live sessions and record in a database their their response to exercise so practice games etc um and those give me i use about five or six different metrics off of that to determine uh, how practice is going how individually um as players um how they can can compare between um drills so is one drill higher intensity and has a little bit more expenditure than the other and then we we kind of i kind of compile that data and give my suggestions about what what each day should look like how what kind of practices we or drills we should do um and when it comes and then when it comes to game day most of the time your girls are ready to go uh one thing that I think a lot of coaches are 
tend to do is they don't they tend to stick to a strict plan in season and i think giving your athletes a little bit more autonomy because it isn't just the physical response to an athlete that can cause you to you to change your your plan um it could be fatigue it could be lack of sleep it could be uh they didn't get enough to eat the day before uh, so you really have to do that emotional check in also uh because if they aren't fully ready to go, not only does it, obviously they don't get the most out of your session, um, but you don't want it to fall into practice, but you also don't want to have them a high risk of injury. Um, so, I mean, that's the kind of the worst thing that can happen is an athlete gets injured in your weight room right before practice or a game. And you're like, you don't have an answer for your coach. <laughs> so uh, having not only the data, but the, the emotional check-in too, so when you get into the training session, you're able to do the most you can for them. Do you do like wellness surveys with them before they start to work out or anything like that? Uh, so I honestly don't. Um, but one thing I, I do just, it's my style of coaching. And this is how I kind of some advice I've had as a, when I was a lot younger too, is when we do our weigh-ins or during our warm-up, I go, I personally go around to each of my athletes and ask them how they're doing today. Um, and getting to know your athletes, you you can call them on their BS if they say they're good um, by their body language and by the way they respond. So that gives you a good indication on that day of, okay, you had a tough day. You, your body says it, your your verbiage says it. What what's going on? And it, and again, kind of go back to the relationship piece of okay, I had a hard test, I'm exhausted, uh, and then it, you kind of just go from there. And some days, some days you you kind of have to motivate them to get going. So everybody has a hard test sometimes. It's okay. Let's let's do this. But other times it's you you have to back off and get to let them breathe a little bit too. So even with like the higher stress and it happens a lot more, I think in the college realm, because you're trying to get your degree, you're going through some pretty strenuous classes in order to attain your degree. And I mean, there's going to be a lot of days that you're stressed, but that stress can have a higher risk of injury for our athletes as well. You know, it, and sometimes it's just a freak accident, you know, uh, running back just plants one way, he rolls his ankle and tears his ACL in the same motion. I mean, it, it, it I mean, it happens. But um, going up to each of your players and saying, you know, how are you doing today? And they're like, yeah, good. And, you know, you can read the room. By the time, you know, you get a couple months, even like a week or so in with your athletes, you kind of get a sense of who they are and which ones that, you know, will slack and which yeah. ones will um be honest with you and which ones will you know just hide all their emotions as well so building that relationship is is pretty pretty damn important yeah um i mean the i i have nothing against wellness surveys i think they're a great tool um but in my opinion i don't collect data just to collect data um when i can i can just personally talk to them and i think that face-to-face -face interaction it says a lot more than 
typing in, okay, I got eight hours of sleep uh, or I had two meals instead of three. So, and that, that's just, I guess that's just my preference. Most athletes will, will lie anyways. You know, they'll say yeah. eight hours just to say they, you know, because <laughs> they don't want you to be on their ass, but, um, you know, they'll, they'll lie just to, you know, get you off, off their tail. So, um, I use them for the high school realm and we're getting to a point to where I'm like, okay, let's see some, especially like stress and sleep really go hand in hand and soreness mm -hmm. and, uh, fatigue go hand in hand. So be able to see like, cause I can make, you know, adjustments in the weight room on the fly say, okay, so this, we're going to do this or out in the field. We got indoor facility and I could read a, I didn't need a wellness survey to tell me that the football team, you know, when they're not joking and, you know, uh, kind of cutting up a little bit. It's, they're high school boys, you know. They're going to do that and play grab ass and everything else, else in between. You know, I didn't need a wellness survey when I, I walked in. It was completely dead. You know, no energy. So, like, that's like, all right, we're not we're not even going to bother with, you know, our, our intensive, extensive plyos, our change of direction. You know, we're just going to go lift. You can go and practice, and we can get out here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and another thing you kind of can pay attention to is, if you allow your athletes to choose music, what are they choosing that day? So uh, that's something I've caught on to, especially with with my athletes. Man, Miley Cyrus Mondays, they, they hit different, <laughs> man. Uh, uh, kind of last thing here, man, uh, pushing the profession forward. You know, um, a lot of things on Twitter right now, social media, about how are we supposed to push the profession forward? How can we make ourselves so valuable that – it needs to be present in high schools and middle schools and colleges, you know, D1, D2, or D3. Um, so what are some things that you think we need to do as coaches in order to push that profession forward? Yeah, so I think the number one thing is we need to establish what you are rated on. So when you go to a performance review, what are you actually getting reviewed on? And can those be measurable? Because um, I think that can benefit obviously that person that's doing it um but as you get to more and more athletic departments putting actual performance reviews into a a goal setting and it meeting specific metrics that can show the importance um another thing is doing we mentioned surveys but doing an athlete survey too is okay where setting metrics that you want to that, that is anonymous how can you how what do your athletes rate you um because the, their feedback is also important in my opinion because uh, essentially we none nobody has a job if they're not here uh and that can really show value because if you have a good strength coach you're obviously you're going to get higher ratings and that can show admin that okay not only does the coach value you not the you're doing your job but your athletes are bought into what you do um and i mean you even get some sport coaches that their athletes are like i don't want to play for this person i don't want to be here but then you get reviews of like oh i loved i loved coach friend i love coach raspberry that way you you are you are getting value from the athletes who are playing the game in, in competition they're making baskets they're scoring touchdowns whatever it may be um because if if they feel that like they're being prepared then that that's really all that matters 
Absolutely. And I think that that's such an important, I think, aspect of growth in our field, too. Because, like, you know, if you kind of know that you've been a little bit assholeish to the kids and they're going to give you a little bit lower reviews, <laughs> I mean, you know, it also comes to that realization of, like, maybe I should do things a little bit better. Maybe I should do things a little bit differently. Maybe my approach has not been the best as I approach these athletes day one when they walk into our program. Um, you know, I, I fully believe that the weight room and sport performance is for everyone. Everyone can get better in some aspect, whether that's your jumps, if that's, you know, bench press, you know, get stronger, get more powerful, or just being just a better person. I think sport performance really drives that for all of our athletes. And especially at smaller schools like Eureka and high schools where you're kind of have a hand in every single team. I mean, you are the person that influences those teams the most. Yeah. Yeah. And another, I mean, another thing you can look at is, is the sports medicine side, um, a, an investment in a good strength staff or department. Um, you're looking at injury rates going down. Uh, you're looking at with injury rates going down, you're looking at insurance costs going down. So that saves money actually for a lot of departments. Um, because I mean, it, a good sports performance program or strength conditioning program, um, they'll help reduce a lot of those soft tissue injuries um, and even some of the, the major joint injuries. Um, obviously, there are those freak athletes and you can never prevent anything from happening. Um, but I mean, statistics are statistics. Uh, a good strength conditioning program has throughout time reduced injuries. Um, and, uh, at the end of the day that creates more wins and, uh, it helps, helps the budget. Absolutely. And that collaboration with your sports or sports medicine program, that's kind of huge too, because, you know, it's not just one person trying to hold them back and us trying to, you know, push them forward. You know, mm -hmm. you can collaborate and things they, that they can do inside the weight room. You know, we're doing push press. Okay, we got a kid with a shoulder injury, they can at least go single arm. You know, those, those are things and conversations that we can have with our sports medicine team to better not only themselves, but the experience they have in their sport and with our strength program as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the collaboration piece with, with strength conditioning and sports medicine is, is super important. Um, I mean, obviously, they're, they're the sports medicine professionals. Um, so when injuries or illnesses do happen, uh, the, that communication to you and vice versa, it's essential in um, getting an athlete to do what they can do that day. Uh, I'm, I'm lucky right now where I'm at because our offices are literally 10 yards from each other. So we talk on a daily basis, um, go over it, any modifications we need to do. Um, but it's also an extra set of eyes because um, sometimes athletes uh, act differently with different people. Um, so you can communicate, okay, this person was uh, rated their pain a 7 out of 10 doing this in rehab, but when they walked in the weight room, they didn't say anything, and it was almost the same exact thing. So, um, and it could be vice versa. It could be, okay, they Matt, my knee hurts doing this. Well, you go in rehab, and that it doesn't correlate at all. So um, if, if you don't get that communication, then you're essentially inputting exercises that can cause injury instead of help reduce it. 
And if you're causing more injuries than you are solving them, <laughs> you don't got a job, man. Big, yeah, big problem. Big, big problem. Um, well, let's go ahead and start wrapping things up here, Matt. Um, this last segment here is called Conjugate Coach Spotlight. All right, so is there anyone out there that you want to shout out? Anyone that's made a big influence in your strength and conditioning career? Yeah, um, I kind of want to shout out to all the to the former athletes that are, are aspiring to be strength coaches right now. Um, obviously, like yourself, you're, you're obviously doing a great job where you're at. Um, my brother, Chris, he's a he's a strength coach at the University of Cincinnati, working with their football team. Um, Caitlin Miller just follow, uh, finished up her uh, graduate assistant spot at Michigan State. Um, Gabby Hawk, uh, she, was an, she was an athlete for me at Bradley, just finished up her uh, graduate assistant spot at McNeese um, and actually got a call from her yesterday uh, that she signed a contract to play professional basketball in France. So that was an exciting news. Um, obviously, the, the inspiration piece, uh, I've gotten a lot of ideas from Ohio State and Coach Marotti, um, being able to meet with him. Um, Nico Palzetti, who's at, again, he's the head strength coach at Cincinnati, had a lot of conversations with him to kind of develop, develop uh, who I am today. Um, so I think all those people definitely deserve a shout out there. Awesome, Coach Friend. Well, again, I want to thank you for taking the time and being on the Conjugate Chats. And um, I, I know this, I think it's your first podcast ever. So uh, congratulations on <laughs> congratulations on having you, you know, me on your uh, me on the podcast. And, you know, it's cool to be uh, having you on and have this come full circle again. Like it's I was just talking to I, I don't know if you remember Collar Wally. Um, I do, yeah. But we were just talking on the phone today. I was in there in the weight room, and he he, uh, he called me. He's like, "Hey, what's going on?" And you know, we just chit chat. It's like, "Hey, you won't believe who I got on this afternoon for uh, the podcast." He didn't believe I had a podcast to begin with, but um, I was like, "I have coach friend." I was like, "Oh, hell yeah, man, that's awesome!" <laughs> and um, yeah, just again, thank you, and thank you for you know lighting the fire for this man. It's it's been a wild journey so far and um it, you know i just thank you yeah no problem i appreciate you for getting a hold of me and i'm always happy to to talk the x's and o's too so um yeah you have, you, you know how to get a hold of me so anytime absolutely well that's another episode of the conjugate chats please follow our social media platforms at conjugate chat podcast on twitter and tiktok also follow coach friend on his social medias as well in the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today.
And before we end this episode here, I wanted to bring the light to something. Um, most people on here are either strength coaches or aspiring strength coaches. Um, for those that are aspiring strength coaches out there, um, I set up a Gumroad account, a uh, store even, to provide value back into the field of strength conditioning. Starting with, um, I have study guides on there. Uh, for anyone that's not past the CSCS or is going to take the CSCS. Um, these are study guides that I've developed over the last three years that I've used in my attempts to pass the CSCS, and I wanted to bring that value here to our podcast. So if you will go to the link in the description of this episode, you'll see a link to my Gumroad in which you can purchase or just download for free um, the study guides for CSCS, a couple of my guides for in uh, in season training, and also um, a couple of our products in there as well. Again, thank you for listening in on the Conjuring Chats, and thank you for your continuous support.